Hassan, how was this episode of 115 Miles for you? I really enjoyed it, mate. Um, I wasn't sure where it was going to go because obviously you told me just before that you hadn't put any thinking into it. But I think you pulled it out of the bag. It was a it was a good episode, Josh. I'm much better when I work in the moment, Hass. I live life in the moment and that's how it should be. We talked about Partygate and Boris Johnson and uh, the power hungry, addicted parliament. Yeah, um, it was a it was surprised. I mean, actually, it wasn't at balance in the end because you can't be balanced about a government um, such as this one. But um, I think we we looked at it from all angles. But we also talked about, um, you know, social media and, um, you know, how to focus and uh, w- what gets in the way of it and some of the things that we could be doing. So I thought it was a really, really good episode. Good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. In fact, it was almost like a party, but we had no idea, Has, so that's not on us. If people want to come and join us, they should come and find us at 115 Miles Pod on Instagram. Join the community. Leave us a review if you like to, and we really hope you enjoy this. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Growing up 115 miles apart, our lives couldn't have been more different, but we find ourselves today with many similarities and outlooks upon life. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture, and everything in between. I'm going to call you Hass when we start today, Hass. Oh, thank you. Not Hassan. Oh. Well, that's because you might get confused with the two Hassans you know in your life, right? <laughs> For the listeners, Hass, do you want to explain that? Oh, yeah. You're getting spammed by um, a Hassan on LinkedIn. But it's a double S, yeah. Hassan. So that's, we, don't, we don't accept double S, Hassans. It's not LinkedIn. It's, um, it's on my email. Oh, he's got free, he's, he's, he's got He slipped into your email DMs. He's just gone into my emails and sent me three emails. Um, they want me to, I don't know, like promote some app that they're doing. So then when I oh, this Hassan's going to want you they... to do that as well at some point too. <laughs> so you're going to have to, you're going to have to just basically get rid of that. Uh, listen, I'm not happy about you chatting with another Hassan, if I'm honest. Well, I'm not chatting with him. That's the oh, it's one-way Hassan. traffic. I fucking keep, I keep ignoring them. Yeah. Oh, good. And anyway, as I just showed you. Uh, because I didn't respond to their second email, they've sent me a gif of the Cookie Monster tapping his fingers. I don't get that. What's why the Cookie Monster? Um, I don't. It's just the, why? Why? Why is it any character in a gif? Why does the sun come out in the mornings? <laughs> yeah, good point. All right. If a tree falls, did you see that football manager saying that? Oh yeah. I can't remember who it was. Who was it? No, nope, yeah. nor can I. Great conversation. Yeah. How start? <laughs> I told you before yeah. where this was going to go. Yeah. Uh, we are very nearly at the close of January, a month down in 2022. How has your year been so far? Um, my year has been, it was a funny start. Um, you know, I talked about, I think on the last pod, you, you made fun of me for having a, a tickle. Uh, whereas <laughs> otherwise known as a chest infection. Um, and then obviously n- nothing unique about this, but we've had COVID in the house, um, which from a from a symptoms perspective, it hasn't really hit me at all. But just from a, an annoyance perspective, it's really high because obviously, you know, you have to isolate, can't go out and you, it just makes logistics a nightmare. Um, but in terms of, um, uh, you know, other stuff, work, um personal development that's really starting to take a bit of shape actually which uh for me you know I came into the year not feeling great not really having the answers as I as I normally try and have at the beginning which is you know it's a complete uh joke to even assume that you might have all of the answers on the first day of January of a new year but um my, my approach is just sort of take it slow and see what see what comes and actually it's that's that's working really well for me how have you made that shift then in January? Because you made quite a big shift from being quite arguably internally quite heavy at the beginning of the year 
fair? Yeah, no, I was. I, I, I think a lot of that, as I said to you, was was just not understanding that um, I was, you know, wasn't feel. I was feeling quite under the weather. And I think if I if I reflect back on last year, well, let me go back two years. I think twenty twenty, as I've mentioned to you, I think twenty twenty for me was a really important year from a personal development and growth perspective. The business. Um, moved on quite significantly but but more more importantly than that I think I I grew a lot you know just having to kind of figure out how to survive but also I grew a lot in terms of what I was reading and consuming in terms of content and having a perspective um and then 2021 was what was you reading and consuming just tell me quickly <clears throat> okay. what like um a lot a lot of podcasts uh you know um a lot uh a lot of it was around, uh, you know, build, building a business, being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And uh, I'd, I'd been doing things intuitively, but it was great to hear other people's stories. Um, mm. I read, you know, I think 2020 was the year that I, I picked up Atomic Habits by James Clear. And that really started to shift my brain. But also I was doing um, exercise a lot more frequently uh, and consistently mm. at the time. And that's, you know, that, that was a huge contributor to creating space to be able to do both so that was it that was yeah. that was big but also having the mental clarity as a result of that we've talked about mental clarity um having that as a result was um you know f- helped me fueled me to make some great decisions about lots of different things and yeah. then i think 21 last year was just focused on growing the business and work and doing yeah. this and you know and all you know and actually didn't take enough time off I only had one really. I only had one official week off um, last year, and and I think f- for me, uh, coming into the year, it was my body saying, "Just slow the fuck down," uh, and we're going to yeah. slow you down right at the beginning, so you just think about stuff, and it just kind of gave me a bit of a jolt to go, "Okay, I, you know, I've got to do things a bit differently this year," and that's it. So that's that's it. You know, just taking it slower, not trying to force things. Um, and actually just feeling a bit more committed to, for me personally, to, towards action and towards, you know, really understanding the reasons behind why I don't do certain things or why I do do certain, certain things in a, in a particular way. So, for example, if I really feel like I'm procrastinating a lot, trying to understand why I might be doing that, you know, what are the reasons that are feeding mm. it? And then, you know, and almost, um, you know, take a decision around it I may choose actually that I want to procrastinate in that moment or actually I might want to get something done um so yesterday I really wanted to get some um some things written and normally my 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 mind is scattering all over the place so I'm trying to sort of do research in the moment as well as writing and I think a lot of people do that where you go oh let me just figure out this thing so it can influence what I'm writing but actually I shut everything off and I just wrote and that was really really powerful and put some music on it was really powerful have you, um, have you, I know we've both started reading, uh, or have you started reading uh, Johan Harry's new book? I can't remember what it's called. Stolen Focus. Yeah. Stolen Focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've definitely, yeah. How, how far in are you? Uh, um, I've, I'm about, uh, about uh, like a chap, a chapter or two in. Like, yeah okay so you're quite you're quite near yeah. the beginning. I just don't know if you've got to the bit, he, he interviews a scientist or something and he talks a lot about the, how we think we can multitask, but we can't. Yeah. So you cannot multitask your focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you, like, and they, he talks a lot about the um, the periods of time, and I can't remember what they are, but they're a lot longer than you think. The periods of time it takes you, if you're writing and you think, I'm just going to check an email or I'm going to open Instagram or something. Yeah? yeah. The time it takes you to then refocus yeah. is... Like incredible. It's like it's incredible like fifteen or twenty minutes or something, isn't it? But I, I saw it's something stupid. I saw a, yeah, I saw I a, a clip of him on um, on Stephen Bartlett, and it just popped up on my feed again. And you and I have both said we're not going to watch that interview until we, we've read read the book. Um, but he does talk about how much energy you lose by moving around between emails and uh, and trying to do deep focus you actually lose more energy in trying to work that way than if you smoke two spliffs. Yeah. And he said, 
and I'm probably giving away the spoiler, but he talks about this on the interview. He said, you're probably better off doing one thing and focusing like on it and smoking one spliff than trying to multitask. Yeah. That's a crazy, yeah, crazy exactly. thought, isn't it? Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Which is what I've been trying this week, and it really works. Smoking the split. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You scared me. <laughs> it's definitely something yeah. I would do. <laughs> it's so easy to justify. Like, Imagine if I went down to Aaron and said, listen, Johan Harry said it. I'm going to be smoking the spliff now and just deep working. Don't bother me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Don't know how that will go down. But it, it's interesting that... Um, well, one, what's really ironic is how many people um, I've spoken to that have bought the book but haven't yet focused enough to pick it up and read it. Yeah. Which is, there's so much irony in that, isn't there? And, and uh, you know Ollie? Yeah. I said to Ollie, because I'm, I'm about halfway through yeah. the book, I think. Yeah. I said to Ollie, you've got to read it, mate. There's so many things that we talk about. And he was like, I've started reading it, but it's the one that I read before I go to bed. And he's like, so I wake up and it's like I haven't read it because I don't really take any of it in. And I was like, the irony of that. But it's interesting that I'm reading it at the time that I'm reading it. um, Because, you know, my life circumstances have changed quite dramatically and that my son's coming to live with me. And what it's meant is basically that um, when I'm working from home, the days when I'm at home working... Um, I get a lot. I get about three hours less now than what I did before my son come to live with me, right? Because I have to go and pick him up at quarter to three, so I have to leave here at like half two, and I have to drop him at school in the morning. So my time when I'm in it, just in the office, you know, I work around it when I'm working away and stuff. He has like breakfast club and all that sort of stuff. But 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 when I'm working at home, I just commit to going and getting him. Um, so I lose about three hours a day uh, when I do that. And I promise you, and I'm not exaggerating here, I get more done in those in that time now on those days than I did before that happened. Yeah. And that is because it's really focused me. Yeah. And um, actually, yesterday, uh, for the first time since this has happened, since I've been doing this, I stopped doing all the things that I have been doing. One of them is uh, focusing solely on one task so if i'm doing content i am doing content if i'm doing my emails i'm doing my emails i don't open social media i didn't do that yesterday Mm. and it just it was so the the difference in what i got done was incredible incredible Mm. in terms of focus clarity and everything mate and i just feel like there's uh I mean, when you get into the depths of that book and what he's saying and the way that they, you know, yeah. uh, pull us into the phone and stuff yeah. like well, that. Well, I mean, the reason I stopped reading it was because I, I realised I was reading it on my phone, on my Kindle, on my phone. And I just, <laughs> I, I felt really uncomfortable about um, that because, as you know, the, the beginning, you know, the beginning of the journey is how he takes himself away from, uh, you know, a mobile phone that's connected to the world um and and a computer that's you know that's able to connect to the internet so just to really take himself away so i just felt like the irony of it was too great for me to be able to continue so the hardback is arriving tomorrow morning so or tomorrow yeah so i'm looking forward to it okay it's coming so then then you can make a, a a good start on it but like even the subtle things that they've changed on the internet right so you know infinite scrolling yeah once upon a time, you never had yeah, that, right? You'd get yeah. to the bottom of the page. And you'd have to then make the choice, the decision to click to the next yeah. page. Now it's infinite yeah. scrolling. So, and it's, so actually, um, incredible. I read a, a, the, the first time I started to really think about this stuff. And I had a really good moment a few years ago where I, where I really sorted myself out. Um, was I, I read a book called Make Time by um, John Zaratsky and Jake Knapp. Um, and they were two guys that, worked at Google and they kind of designed the Google Sprint process, but they also started this blog called Time Dorks, which was they wanted to find more ways to create time for themselves. So they really started to understand where they were, uh, where they were wasting energy and time. Mm. And, uh, and I don't know, it was just at a moment where, um, where I was feeling quite full uh, with stuff and it just, the book just landed. And it talks about two things, it talks about the busy bandwagon and infinite scrolls yeah. and um, or the infinity loop, sorry, is what they call it, right? And so busy bandwagon is when you are just, 
you're working, you're reacting. As soon as you wake up in the morning, you, you, you look at an email and you're reacting and you spend the whole day in react mode. Other people are, you know, for example, we said, um, you know, we were going to you know, meet at nine, but you got stuck in a, uh, in a traffic jam, right? And so I'm reacting to that. And so, you know, your whole energy and your body and you're sort of reacting to kind of other people and stuff like that. So they talk about that and, you know, and, and your work demands and things like that. As soon as you come out of the, um, you know, the busy bandwagon, which is, you know, which is kind of the busyness that, that your mind is, um, is zoned into, you then come out of that and you find yourself falling into infinity loops. And they say, if you can scroll down and it refreshes, if you can scroll down with your thumb and it refreshes then that's an infinity mm. loop and you're just stuck in there and you're stuck in there. And I remember, um, uh, you know, so that's like Netflix, it's Spotify, it's, you know, Instagram, tick, uh, TikTok or, you know, Snap and everything. And their, their uh, way to, you know, to, to get through it was, was, quite, was quite extreme. Like they basically took all of their stuff off their phone. So there's an element of what I think, you know, Johan, Harry will cover, will, will, there'll be some crossover. But I think, um, you know, what he points to is that detox alone is not enough, you know, because actually uh, just coming off your phone will only last for a certain while, as it did with me, right? So I set up, you know, I took off all the apps that I definitely didn't want to be, connected to I put yeah. um, screen time on so that actually you put barriers in your way before you you know so you can still get to it but you have to think twice and you have to go through lots of hoops so it works for a while but in the end you get sucked back into it because the world is moving yeah, he, around in that, at, at that pace and so and he yeah. talks a little bit about he talks a little bit about in the book um, how it's not quite fair to push all the personal responsibility onto us because of just how scientific and how hard they try to pull you in yeah. you know one of the things i keep resisting getting it doesn't say anything about this in the book it might do later but it hasn't that i've read i always resist getting a um a watch an apple watch or a smart watch yeah because it's just another way uh for you to be contactable and to pull you back into your phone and yeah i get pissed off not pissed off but I notice when I'm with someone and their phone vibrate, their watch vib vibrates, because they'll try and you do it actually. <laughs> you sometimes do, do it. I? You got watch it? Yeah, you? I do. Yeah, I'm sure you've yeah. done it. Your watch vibrates, yeah. and then you try and like slyly look at it without the person that yeah, you're talking true. to knowing it's that you're true. slyly looking at it. And it's a little bit. It's like a, another step from have, you know having your phone on the table and then trying to look at it slyly or or fucking turning it down and all that. Yeah. Um, and I'm like super sensitive to that stuff as well. So I wanted to get a heart rate monitor thing for some of the working out, some of the training yeah, that I've been doing. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't want to watch, mate, because of that, because I'd just be, I, I get hooked in. I'm so easily pulled into that stuff. It's, um, I actually only use it for the, um, for the health connectivity, you know, like the rings and stuff like that. I don't really use it. I don't, I don't read messages on it. I don't... Uh, Do you have notifications on it, though? Does it vibrate if a phone thing comes I'll in? I'll switch most phone? of them off, actually. I'll switch most of them off. Most? Yeah. yeah. Most? I just, what ones are still on there? Um, uh, just Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, yeah. and Twitter. <laughs> Do you know what? It's, it's just because I've been... It's not because I want them. It's just because I'm lazy and I haven't gone in and turned them off. Do you, do you know uh, on iPhone now... I have, I think I've told you about it. I have my profile set to personal. So I've got a personal profile on my on my iPhone. Yeah. And I have a group of about, oh yeah, I have told you because you're not on it. <laughs> Am I not on it? About nine people, family that can contact me. I thought me. I'm family, mate. Jesus. Uh, We've been when living I say a nine life. People, you, when, I, when I say nine people, you've got to remember six of them are my kids. And then it's oh, Leah, right, yeah. I did mute you on WhatsApp the other day. You muted me on WhatsApp? Yeah. yeah, that's just because you're shit at fancy. Yeah, I knew it was coming, um, so I just muted you. I didn't <laughs> fancy it. <laughs> but I've never, I haven't had, I never had notifications on, on uh, like social media and stuff. I don't have it on on WhatsApp um, because I'm so fucking easily pulled in. By yeah. It all, you know? Yeah. Um, switching the subject, there's no nice segue into this, but you did mention Steve Bartlett. Yeah. I'm bringing him up again. Okay. 
Have you watched any of the new Dragon's Den yet? I have seen one episode, yeah, and then... Did you kick the kids out? Was Is Dragon's Den... No, they can watch the it. The they can ones? watch it, Dragon's yeah, Den, not. but they're not that into it, to be honest. They're not that no, into Leah, it. No, Leah, my wife hates it. Mm. Thinks it's rubbish. Yeah. But I make her watch it. Um, what do you think of Stephen Bartlett on there, mate? What do I think on there? I think... Because we've given him some stick. Yeah, yeah. Well... In the past. Uh, so I'm torn... Because I don't know if he's just... Nothing's fine, I'm torn. I'm, I was in a lift with her once. <laughs> you I was in a lift with Natalie and Brulia once. Was yeah. you? Did you speak to her? Yeah. What did you say? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, we used to, I used to work at Virgin um, Megastores and we used to do all these like uh, events where you know they come and do performance or they do... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, we used to basically meet them at the ground floor and then on the third floor is where they'd kind of have their little green room or whatever. So I just had to take her up to the third floor and that was it. I was like so young and, and totally intimidated by her beauty. So, yeah. So you just said hello. What do you think I was going to do? Was I going to say, oh, hey, let's let's hang out? <laughs> no, but I don't know. You might have said... I love your, like, did you I love your work. <laughs> I should have done <laughs> yeah. that. I did that once. It was the most embarrassing thing in my life. So, uh, what? Where were we? What was the? Uh, we were talk- <laughs> we were talking about Steve Barber. Oh, yeah. I'm. I'm. Uh, don't do, don't sing it again. I, I'm torn because I, what I like about him is that he's um, he's he's ruffling feathers. He's upsetting the. You know. He's he's disrupting the structure, which is very patriarchal, which is very um, dismissive, which is. It puts people down. It doesn't kind of want to elevate people. It's making it, you know, they're doing it to make good TV. But I think a part of it is that he knows that's the role he's supposed to play. And so he's sort of, I don't feel it's entirely authentic. Um, yeah. And he and he's sort of just doing it for the cameras. Um, and I can't work it out. I don't know if that's um, fair or not. What I will say is he seems really smart. Like he's, he asks really good questions. He's really switched on. He knows business. There's, you know, you don't make three hundred million at twenty eight. You know, by by luck. Um, no. So jury's out, I would say so far. What do you think? <laughs> I really like it. Do you? Yeah. I do, yeah. and I try. Yeah. I I I approached it very unfairly with the kind of like. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know continue disliking this bloke, and I'm gonna really find reasons to dislike it yeah. uh and then so at first i was like saying like yeah it's just virtue signaling he knows to f- he knows what he's doing but he puts his like he puts his money where his mouth is with it yeah so he's made yeah. a couple of like big investments off the back of what you know i might have called a virtue signal so so um yeah no mate i, I i've got to say that, that's i've really i've really warmed to him I love his top as well that he's wearing in it. Oh, is it just one top? Was it all filmed over one day? Uh, the what? The, I think I've watched two or three, and he's he looks like he's got the same. I Are you going to get one of his Steve hats? Bartle- I was googling Steve Butler's oh, top yesterday. This is this was your lack of focus day, was it? <laughs> no, it was last night when I was searching it. Yeah, didn't find it. Tuka though. doesn't like him though, does he? A- Tuka, Tuka Suleiman, he doesn't like him. Yeah, but that's because he is Tuka's a proper like dinosaur. He is a proper dinosaur, isn't he? New glasses though, they look absolute on point. Mint like blue glasses. He has good suits. Tuka does have good suits. He does wear good suits. Um, But yeah, he's a bit of a dinosaur, mate. But when I was searching for this Stephen Bartlett T-shirt yesterday, uh, it's like a low-cut V-neck top. I found myself on this website called, I think it was Light in the Box, right? And there was a top on it. It was 12 quid. So I was saying to Leah, like, I might get this one. It's like a bit cheap, though. Like, I mean, it's like probably, I don't want it to be rubbish quality, you know, put it in the wash and it's half the it's size. It's 12 pounds, mate. What, what do you expect? Uh, yeah. Anyway, I looked at the review. I said, I'm just going to have a look at the review before I order it. The top two reviews were, I'm assuming, by the same person. And they were just just one word starred out so it wasn't spell out fully it was like 
blanked out a little bit. Just C U N T S. That was the review twice. Oh my God. Twice. <laughs> imagine, imagine the, the the amount of trigger that you must have had to write that about a t-shirt. How bad must that t-shirt experience have been? <laughs> Uh, but it obviously doesn't look like Stephen Bartlett's because he definitely he's obviously bought it for the same reason as I was looking to buy it. Must be. You should start a fan club, Stephen Bartlett fan club. I'm I'm gonna mate. Yeah, I'm gonna stop dissing him on my social media posts and start be, like bigging him up. Not that I've ever massively dissed him. Ah, uh, look at um, you backtracking now, just in case, just in case you get to no, work no, no, together. No, no, I just one wanted day. to help him you, become curious. You want to be you want to be on Diary of a CEO, don't you? But his is that his podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, I'd go on there. <laughs> That's really it goes, so I would. Yeah. Uh, I, but his social media posts are, are terrible. Um, maybe he doesn't do them. I I imagine he doesn't do all of them. No, I don't. You know, he's yeah. he's at, he's at that stage now where he's got a team behind him, and sometimes they're him, and sometimes they're not. But they will go through some sort of process. He's not going to. You know, there's nothing will get put out that doesn't. Sort of reflect his point of view. Can't imagine. Yeah. No. 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 Anyway, moving on. We must now talk about Partygate Hass. When we last spoke, yeah, this is where I want to start. When we last spoke, um, it had just come out that um, <laughs> Boris Johnson had had a party during the first lockdown, a big one. Uh, and then I think it was like two, like the day after we released the last pod was when he stood up at uh, questions, mm -hmm. yeah, Parliament's questions and uh, talked about, did you just talk me through uh, Boris Johnson and how he uh, talked about the parties that he allegedly had in his house? Um, he didn't know that they were parties. Um, he thought they were work events in hindsight he should have not been there or he should have you know challenged people uh to not have Told them. them all to come in he said hey, say he? Again? he said when he went out and saw they were all outside yeah. he should have said go, go in. in yeah he should have been doing his thing um yeah i mean that's it he sort of his argument was that he didn't know that they were parties and he thought they were just you know work meetings Essentially, it was a bizarre moment in time to watch him do what he did. How have you found? Because obviously, since then as well, it's come out. I don't know if you've seen last night. It's come out that he had a birthday party. Yeah, well, two, um, two. There was sort of the half an hour thing with MS food and a cake. I mean, the the level of detail that's coming out is really incredible. Um, and then there was apparently like a, a a friends and family gathering upstairs in the evening, which has been strenuously denied. Um, uh, but they said they did so, do something in the garden. Um, they haven't denied the birthday party. They said He said he was there for just 10 minutes. Um, yeah, yeah, Boris Johnson, the bloody raging narcissistic yeah. man that he is, <laughs> turned up, said, oh, I'm gonna do 10 minutes. At my own birthday party, yeah. Uh, in my own house, yeah. at my own birthday yeah. party in my own yeah. house, yeah. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, that's the latest, isn't it? How do you feel about the public's reaction to it? Because, I, I, like, he's still there. When we spoke about it before he'd come out and apologise, and I think it's, you know, we should also highlight that it's not just two parties, right? It sounds like they partied their way through the last two years. And 17. Exactly uh, uh, the, I think at yesterday, 17 known parties during lockdown so far. 17 known yeah. parties yeah. during lockdown. June 2020, which was his birthday, was at the height of restrictions and not only the restrictions, but also the fear that was going around, right? Around yeah. the, you know, the real, the growing numbers. There was just a real sense of fear and everyone was losing their jobs. I mean, it was really significant. A lot of people, my yeah. brother-in-law lost his job as a chef, right? Shit, I yeah, for, 14 yeah. years he was with that same restaurant. He was head chef and because he was highly paid and we all had to go on lockdown. He lost his job. And it, it was really tough for him coming out of that. Like he's 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 good now because he's, he's an excellent chef and he's he's working again. But it was a really, really difficult time, you know. And we didn't lose anyone, right? Like, uh, but, you know, it was very real. So public's reaction, um, 
you know, you know, people are, are right to be really, really angry. And I know it happened a long time ago, but actually it, that government is still in power and they have lauded it over us on so many different occasions, over so many different things. It's, it's odd that this is the thing that may tumble him, but I don't know that it's going to tumble the government, which is, you know, which is, you know, I mean... The people that were at the party. Yeah. Exactly. So some somebody else. Forgot, yeah. Strangely, forgot that right. That, I mean, I'm assuming it was all the people from the Tory. Yeah, party yeah, yeah. It there, wasn't just. It wasn't just Boris Johnson, Party One. There were yeah. there were other people. Yeah. What do you think? We live in this. Biz- what do you think? Well, I, I. We live in this bizarre, like, virtue signalling world now, where. There's an LBC presenter whose name I forget. Um, but I watched her. She, you know, she would consider herself You know, when you say activist. LBC, all I ever think of is Snoop Dogg. Who? <laughs> Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Snoop D-O-double-G. Was, was he on there? On oh. the LBC, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you've completely ruined my trade. <laughs> sorry, sorry. She's on LBC. Snoop Dogg's very good at concentrating, <laughs> though, because he likes to smoke a yeah. do while he's... Uh, and focus. He's doing his yeah. work. Uh, Natasha, her name is. Natasha Devon. Yeah. She would consider herself to be kind of like really hard left, liberal um, LBC presenter. And I've come off Twitter now, actually. Or I've deleted the app on my phone because I was just getting silly looking at it. But um, I noticed, like, what she was doing was, like condemning the parties a little bit but more was saying let's i did the right thing we did the right thing right they might have been partying but we <coughs> did the right thing mm-hmm. and there's this weird thing now where it's just sort of like it's we i feel like we've become so insular that rather than looking at this government and saying this isn't right yeah we need to want answers and we need them now everybody's just like i'm just going to make sure that i did the right thing and I'm going to posture and talk about that so I find that weird um and I find that it helps the government get away with what they're doing because it's more just like protect yourself in that way and then the second thing that and and I want your opinion on this I'd be interested in your opinion on this why are we not having the conversation like they didn't have a one-off party and think let's just risk it fuck the rules let's risk it they partied their way through the last two years, right? That's clear. You said in June that year, where everyone was really scared of this. We were made to be really scared of this. Why is nobody questioning why they weren't scared? At least having the conversation, at least saying, why weren't you worried about your own families? Why weren't you worried about catching it yourself? Yeah. Because that's the first place I go to is like, why, why wasn't anybody scared? Of, why do you think we're not? Why do you think that's not a conversation? It doesn't seem to be a line of questioning, even when people are questioned about it. I'm genuinely interested. What, because I, I mean, what are you pointing to with that question? I'm. That's the thing. I'm not pointing to anything. Yeah. Um, I'm I, I'm genuinely not. Now I could go because it's all a big conspiracy and it's not yeah. real. That's not where I'm going. Yeah. That's that's not. I'm just curious as to why. I'm really curious as to why. Nobody's. At, I'm genuinely and okay. And, and I, okay. I'm Let, I can speculate. Uh, can I before I answer that? Can I just sort of say why I think people do? Why? Because you talked about the that um, that lady on LBC. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Do that um, first. Because I think what a lot of people are doing on the opposite side of the spectrum is pointing to, well, we did the thing that we were supposed to do. We just, you know, we did our bit for the nation. I think it's not only is it virtue signaling, it's it's being used as a way to, it's, a, it's political gaming to show the contrast, right? It's because it doesn't just, you don't just point and say, oh, they were bad. What you do is you show the contrast, which is saying, we all did. We were all on this side together. We were the good. We did what yeah. we had to do. Okay. They yeah, were yeah. the bad ones. So it's really, it's kind of political gaming, right? And that's why you're seeing a lot with okay, Labour. that makes sense, yeah. 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 Um, why, why, I can speculate as to why I think they weren't doing it. I think, um, um, I think 
in their twisted minds, they thought that probably they were social distancing and doing all the things that they should have been doing. They probably were to a degree uh, trying to sort of keep distance from each other and, and things like that. Um, in their own twisted little minds is what I would say, right? But what yeah. I think um, I speculate is that they um, they probably thought that the measures were overkill, that they weren't really that effective, right? But right. they needed to show that, you know, they needed to show that they were taking leadership and they needed to give kind of mass instruction. They probably thought, well, we're just a few people and it's really about the masses. We're running a government. But I, I also think they, they probably thought they were working the hardest in the whole country and that this was some yeah, light relief. I think they think they were working harder than, you know, people in hospitality uh, or, or, or uh, you know, on the front line, nurses, uh, paramedics, uh, people um, who were keeping that whole infrastructure going, taxi drivers, you know, who are, you know, like all the um, people, retail, retail people, re who worked re yeah, people who work in supermarkets yeah. and delivery, you know, they were front line. They were the ones that were working hard. But I really think this government thought, because they've said it, they were like, they've been working really long days when this, this was just unwinding. I really feel that they put themselves into a, a bubble, which just shows they are so out of touch. So out of touch. I, I, I hope that's the reason. I hope the last reason you gave is the reason. Because if the middle reason is the reason you gave, that they thought that the rules were overkill. I mean, when you actually, if you let that sink in for a moment, you know, people dying alone. Um, we took away the choice even from the people that were dying as to whether they got to die alone or not. Yeah. Right. We didn't say, listen, we think there's a virus out there. Um, if you're in your last years of life, you know, if you're sort of in a care home, for example, uh, we didn't say, you know, you've lived, a, you've lived your life right up to that stage you can exercise some personal responsibility, but there's a big risk you might get COVID and it might take you sooner. I think a lot of those people would have said, give me my family. Because, and I also think that when I look at like the people of a certain age in my life, my my nan and my father-in-law and stuff, I genuinely believe they've regressed over the last two years. A hundred percent. Really negatively. So I, I like, I really hope that it's the last thing that, that should have them removed from government as well. All of the reasons should they should be removed. Yeah. Um, but if it's that middle reason and they didn't act sooner or more swifter or in a different way uh, to try and help ease the burden for the people that you've just talked about, yeah. I mean, that's like incredible. Uh, and, I, and I just worry that the, 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 the balanced conversation around this it's just, I think it's so bizarre how tricky it's become. Well, well, the way that the government has been avoiding it, as, as if you, you know, if you saw on, on Prime Minister's questions, is to point to, let's wait till the report comes out. And it looks like the report's coming yeah. out soon. And it doesn't look favourable. Probably, probably just when, let's get the measures all lifted so everyone's... Yeah, they're going to try that. But I think people it. are, are, are going to see through that. He, he's really on his last yeah. legs. But what they're going to do is... is he will probably go, right? But it wasn't just him, as you said. It was everyone, you know, sorry, not everyone, but, uh, you know, there were enough people to indicate that this wasn't just about him. Oftentimes it wasn't yeah. him in the room. It was just, it was that culture. And what will happen is they'll probably weather this storm. Labour won't be able to do enough to unsettle people then start to focus on something else or they will mit they will misdirect and redirect to, to towards as you say the end of the end of restrictions entirely at the end at the end of march yeah and what i suspect very very quietly and secretly because they have a majority they'll put something into law that will that will start to say that the government of the day in the in a moment of crisis there'll be some very very vague language i would i, I would suspect that they would put the government of the day in, in crisis, you know, when they're managing the country in a crisis, are not beholden to the same laws as the nation. I bet you something like that will come in. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. They might also start pushing the narrative of Russia invading um, Ukraine as well and make that like a big massive thing. As, as an, You know, it's so hard to not just become, um, uh, what's the word, you know, like where you don't really believe anything. You start none of, you know what I mean? It's, it's really hard not to become like that uh, when a government, and you know what it really feels like to me? That to people, someone like Boris Johnson and the other dude, Matt Hancock, them type of people, to me it just feels, and they get to where they are because they went to Eton. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know Eton, how else Boris Oxford, Johnson. Yeah, yeah, that whole, whatever, yeah. yeah. And where they come from as well before that, right? It's all part of high society and... Yeah, and you know, like... Matt Hancock got sacked, you know, last year. He ran off into the sunset with his yeah, bags. Yeah, George money. Osborne and I, Cameron. I do feel like there is a culture where it's like if you can get to the top in any position as prime minister or as house secretary or whatever, bleed it for everything you can until they find out and you lose that position. While you're there, bleed it for everything that you can. And I, I mean, I really do feel. Like, that's what happens. And I think Boris Johnson uh, has been <clears throat> one of the luckiest prime ministers in history because he had a pandemic to be able to really make his little stint. And he just thought, I'm going to see how long I can get away with it and go. And I think the reason why, when I say that, people might think, nah, is because they don't want to believe that's the case. Because if it is, then it's... Yeah, horrific. I mean, I think... Uh... I think what this points to ultimately, you know, whether they felt that, you know, the pandemic was not as serious or maybe they thought, well, actually, we're only, you know, a small bunch of people. What harm can we do? The rest of the, you know, yeah. it's, the, it's the Muppets that need to, uh, that need to be controlled, yeah. you know. I think what this points to is that, is that people and groups get drunk on power. They've been, unchall they have been unchallenged yeah. with a majority for you know for such a long time that they just feel like that you know that it doesn't apply to them anymore i genuinely believe that they walk into that you know den down the street it left down the street they walk into parliament and they're so they know they've got so much power they've got no respect for the uh, opposition they just do what they want and let me just say that i don't think that is this is probably the worst government that you know that we'll know in our lifetime and i'm not just saying that as a as a left liberal, although I imagine people on the other side of the spectrum would say that's exactly why I'm saying it. But I, so, so to balance it is I think when Labour were in power for too long, the same thing happened there. You know, maybe not yeah. to the same degree, but they, you know, that drunkness on power where you, where you become completely complacent, you stop, um, you stop resonating with the people you're, you're supposed to represent. That's what happens. And then people vote with their feet as they did with Labour and they moved to the Tory party. What the Tory party have, and this is the this is the insidious little thing that no one talks about, what the Tory party have that Labour don't have is the immigration card, is the race baiting. Because they'll always be able to stoke up enough fear around that in this country to continue to hold on to people. Even if people say, I hate Boris Johnson, I hate what they're doing, they've still got that thing that they can play and they played it, you know, to, you know, like, you know, com you know, completely in the last elections. Um, and that's and that's basically what will always. They'll have to rely on, which is the same with the Republican Party in, uh, in, in, in the US. It's, it's so, so true what you're saying. And because pow power is highly addictive. Right. And this government, because of the pandemic, were handed rightly or wrongly, but probably rightly. Right you know, it just happens to be a bad government that were handed it, but we're handed more power than ever in history. Can I, I know, can I interrupt the thought? I know you're, is there ever a good government? Um, well, this is where I was going to go with what I was about right, to say. Okay. Um, I know a couple of politicians, right? I know a couple and I believe them to be good men. Uh, let me explain what I'm going to say and then try and uh, bring it to life a little bit. When you gift them as much power as they've had over the last years to be able to just change laws and, you know, hand out, you know, uh, 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 different kind of things, 37 billion pounds the Test and Trace app cost, you know, 
rich people got really rich off of a really shit app, yeah, that probably pushed people further into poverty, right? When you hand people that much power and you go open the war chest of money, we're in a pandemic, people that are already drunk on power and addicted to power, even if they're good people, are going to get sucked in. In the same way as we've started off talking about how we get sucked into social media or sucked into our phone, yeah? If I was a politician and I got into, and this is how I'm going to bring it to life, and I got into parliament and I was part of government, mate, the way that I get drunk on anything that makes me feel good, I would be drunk on power. And I don't, I, I'll stand here and say, I don't know if I could go through the pandemic and not get drunk on power and not become a really poor version of myself. Uh, I'd like to think I'm a good person. Mm. So I do believe that addiction in that way and a power addiction will make good people bad mm -hmm. or make good people do bad mm -hmm. things. I think we have almost like the perfect storm at the moment where uh, you have bad people drunk on power mm. and so they get even mm. worse. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? The other thing about it is, uh, you know, you, I, I, I think even those people um, in some twisted logic think that they you know, think that they were doing right. Yes, we're making money and yes, we're doing contracts and we're saving the country. So win-win, you know, and I, I imagine there's, there's a lot of that narrative going on. Um, parliament, like any other kind of organisational structure, parties or, you know, it, 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 it's all about feeling connected and being in. And if the, if the energy, the mass energy is pointing in a direction, it's lonely to be an outlier and, and point in the other way. So I've got a lot of respect for people that hold their own party to account because that's a very lonely place. And so yeah. a lot of these voices that have come out now have only really done it because they know that the tide is turning. They know that the public opinion is swaying, so they feel more emboldened. It's when it's when actually the tide is completely you know, in favour of the government and somebody within their own ranks stands up and challenges that I think that's really, really, kind of really, really courageous. And But it's really hard to do. So it's really- It was hard to break the denial, yeah. right? Because w addiction is steeped in denial. When I <clears throat> drank, when I was drinking myself to death, I wasn't saying I'm drinking myself to death and don't know how to stop. Right. I was saying I'm a party animal. It's, I like to party at the weekends. I work hard in the week. So but you only used to show up for 10 enough. minutes at those parties, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I often didn't know they were parties. And I, you know, often You're just passing through. It looked like in. a work event, you know. There were papers Mate, on there the was desk. many, many situations in my fucking yeah. life when I wish I could have said, well, I didn't really know that that was going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Right? I was just there and let's have an inquest because yeah. yeah. if I could have used that excuse. But, but, but you're right to point to... And this doesn't make it okay. The same as my behavior wasn't okay in the past. It doesn't make it okay that they were in denial, but you can see how people can get drawn into the, the, the yeah. nature it, of power. And it doesn't just happen there. It happens in, uh, in the school playground where a good person gets kind of pulled in by the crowd. And so a good person who has good kind of, you know, ethics and whatever can just you know, can get mean and nasty because everyone else is doing it, right? You, you can sort of see that starting from there and, yeah. it, and it happens in the workplace, it happens in social groups, it happens on WhatsApp groups, you know, all over the place. So I don't think it's unique to that um, setting. What I, um, what I would like to see is um, that, that there is change as a result, but I'm not holding yeah. my breath for it. You see... No. And what you're pointing to are exceptions rather than the rule, right? Good, you know, these two politicians, you know, they're good men, good people, and, you know, they're going to be good people around. But um, what is it? Like, you know, I think they talk about, you know, uh, rotten trees or, or rotten barrels or whatever. You know, the fact is there are probably good police. There are good policemen, not probably. There are good policemen and women, right? There are good police officers, but it's yeah. still institutionally racist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. uh so those those good people um are important still and it's important to celebrate them and recognize them and champion them and lean on them but you can't you, you know but the but the but the the 
institution of parliament of both sides is institutionally yeah. corrupt in my point of view yeah and, and introduced institutionally addicted to power yeah which is why we live in the fifth richest democracy with one in three children living in poverty yeah which is why when you spend 37 billion pounds on an app during this time and you know the one percent get way way richer <clears throat> off of that 37 billion and yet during the last two years when drinking was on the rise we cut support for children affected by a parent's drinking to zero. Mm. You see the difference in that because if you were to adequately support the one in three children in poverty, it wouldn't, the money wouldn't find its way back to the 1%, right? Mm. And so when you have parliaments and governments that are addicted to power in this way, right, it feeds down, right? And, 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 and over the last two years, the rich will have got richer and the poor will have got poorer. And that's, you know, it's a huge... And then I, I, we're not going to have time to go into it, but I want to allude to it because I've, I'm quite passionate about... No, actually, I'm really passionate about it. I don't know how many thousand care workers lost their job because they didn't have the vaccine. Um, 100,000 NHS workers stand to lose their, lose their job after working for two years with no vaccine and shit PPE because the government were buying shit PPE to sort their mates out. And now they're going to get sacked because they, they've made the choice to have the vaccine. Now, I don't want to discuss whether the vaccine's right. I, 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 I don't want to go down that route. I don't actually care. What I care about is personal responsibility. And I don't know how you can stand on your doorstep and clap the NHS and not feel aggrieved that 100,000 of them may still lose their job. The care workers are already gone. Uh, it sounds like they're going to push this back and I think it will fall away. There was a massive protest in, in London the weekend. Yeah. Um, and listen, I don't, you don't necessarily need to give me give your opinion on it. I just want to make sure I use the platforms I've got to say that I don't think that's okay because I don't know if that's a popular or unpopular opinion, but I don't think no, it's No, it's not okay for 100,000 people to lose their jobs because of something that they fundamentally... Um, uh, don't want to do you know and and I, yeah. I, 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 I do think this is you know you and I have talked about how difficult the conversation around vaccination is because yeah. uh, firstly I don't think the, the facts about the vaccine are widely known as you and I have discussed mm -hmm. I think there are lots of myths around uh, what a vaccine does and doesn't do if you have it there's also a lot of fear around stepping out and speaking and then you and I have sort of, you know, sort of discussed in the past around, um, you know, uh, the instructions and how everyone sort of fell into line and people stopped qu questioning things. And so people are now in this space of if you don't take your vaccine, then you're 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 sort of blighting society, you're not doing your part for society. But but. You know, and, and that's a big debate. But what I don't believe is that people, 100,000 people should lose their job because of a choice they're making where they didn't have the choice before. The other thing I would say is these people, these these um, MPs that are so outraged at the parties, so indignant, they're so, like because of what all their constituents had to go through, not just their rich constituents, but all of their constituents. So. You know, people of different ethnicities, people of different mm -hmm. economic backgrounds. These are also the ones that voted down free school meals. Yeah. Well, you know, when uh, when, uh, you know, lock, lockdown first happened and about, you know, provide, putting some food into bellies of children, one of those one Fuck in three yeah, children man, in poverty. These yeah. are the same people. And what's happening is. It's very clever. This is how the party machine works. You know, we're all pointing at Boris Johnson and going, Boris Johnson, he's got to go. And then when he goes, all of these MPs will go back to voting. And, and this wasn't, that was just one very public vote because of what Marcus Rashford was doing. Loads and loads of small votes that get put through every week that are just basically mm. eroding and, and um, eroding opportunities and, and um, expanding that gap of the rich get yeah. richer and the poor get poorer. So we got basically, yeah. you know, look, talking about it on stuff like this, um, uh, podcast is really important. But also, 
um, supporting anybody that, you know, that challenges the government. I really like the fact that Gary Neville is, is getting outside of his commentary box and he's a really important voice because um, he seems to really say that what he It really hurts me to say that. It really does. <laughs> but I have to say I'm a fan of Gary Neville because of what he's doing because he's the only one that's got the courage in my opinion, you know, not the only one. He's one of the people that has the courage to really say what he means. And and he's got a following. Yeah. So he's using his power yeah. appropriately. He's using his power, you know, in a in a positive way. And you saw the video, didn't you? Did I sent you the video, I don't know if you when when him and uh, Jamie yeah. Carragher Jamie Carragher's yeah. a Jamie Carragher's a knob, by the way. Um Well thanks for that, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't be in a job. Wouldn't be in a job if he was anything but white, a white man. Um, I don't know why I had to put that in there, uh, but it was quite funny when it when they were they they sort of for anybody that hasn't seen it they kind of slyly well not slyly very openly talked about how when yeah. they come to that ground yeah. it's always a bit party. of a party but they never realise it's, it's a party. Yeah, it's really good. It's worth uh, looking. Just on the Jamie Carragher thing, I think it's important just to say the reason you said that was because I think about uh, was it about a year ago he spat. Maybe yeah, longer than whatever. that. It was but before he was COVID, driving out. He's, uh, maybe Liverpool lost the match or whatever. He wasn't very happy. And uh, I think a Manchester United fan was, was just with his daughter, him, yeah. and they were going at him. And he he wound this window down and spat at a fourteen-year-old girl as they were driving past. And I think you're right. I think I think if that was a person of colour, if it was a black ex-player, it wouldn't have been just as easy to get back on Sky. And I'm a big Liverpool fan, as you know, but I think you're. I think you're right. So I think the context is really important as to what you just said. Yeah, and it's actually funny. Not funny. Uh, recently, I don't know if you saw a Liverpool fan was. Uh, I don't know what happened in the end, but they were on about banning him for life for spitting. <laughs> and I thought that's interesting, irony. isn't it? Uh, irony. Anyway, on that note, let's do reasons to be cheerful. Has I'm going to let you go first. Uh, my reasons to be cheerful, honestly, is living life slow. And what... what Shit title. Yeah, no, it's a great title, actually. <laughs> Just expand on it. Uh, no, I wrote a little post about it earlier in the week. I think it's really easy to get consumed um, at various points, but particularly at the beginning of the year with how everyone seems to have their shit together. Everyone's got all yeah. you know, their plans in place. They feel really rested after the break. And... Um, and maybe I've been guilty of kind of being a bit like that in the past. And I realised that, you know, you can get really consumed with all of that noise. And actually, the best thing to do is just just slow things down, go at your pace, really try and understand what's going on around you. Um, and you make better choices as a result of it. So I feel way more, um, way more comfortable and resourceful as a result of just, just not trying to push for an answer. Or, or set of answers mm. and actually just understand that it's going to come when it needs to come. So I, I, I appreciate that's super philosoph philosophical. But yeah, that's that's yeah. my reason to be cheerful this week. No, I love it, mate. And I've seen it play out this week, this year. So um, incredible. Yeah, good. My reasons to be cheerful is, a, is, is not a personal one. My reasons to be cheerful is a story that I heard on Talk Sport um, on the way to the gym this morning, or it might have been the way back. Uh, there was a young lad, and I've seen it online since. Uh, there was a young lad who was told that he was too large and unhealthy to play rugby. Mm. He's a big lad; you could see he was big built. And I may have got the story wrong slightly here. I'm sort of paraphrasing it, but but the you know what I'm highlighting will come through. His mum or his parents put a picture of him on social media that said you know that he's been told that he's too big to play rugby, and it was a picture of him in his rugby kit on the rugby pitch. And the whole rugby world got around him and started retweeting it, saying, keep going, lad. There was a New Zealand All Blacks player who retweeted it and said, I was told I was too big when I was younger. Keep going. Like the English rugby Twitter account retweeted it. Uh, and it sort of went viral and he got all these incredible messages. I think he got tickets to a game and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I just think, you know... Uh, we slate social, I think we started off giving social media a little bit of a bad time, right? But that's probably one of the more positive aspects of social media, right? Is when something like that, I mean, that'll give him the boost, such a massive boost 
the lad to maybe go on and carry on playing playing team sports in that way. Yeah. So my reasons to be cheerful is that. Yeah, I love that. That's has. great. That is great because we do definitely focus on the negative aspects, but actually it's, it is those moments where the, the the kinder side of humanity really shows up and, and the sort yeah. of the, the unified uh, kind of two fingers up to someone that's kind of taken the negative view and planted a negative seed in someone's a young kid's mind. I think that's amazing. Amen. Has this has been a very good balanced conversation yeah. as always. Yeah, it was great. We are absolute G's. I'm going to go and smoke a spliff and get right into Just my one work. though, right? Just one. <laughs> <laughs> Just one. Uh, because that's the way that I concentrate the most. Hope you've enjoyed this. Come and join us at Instagram. We'll see you all very soon. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kai.